Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So, uh, they're working on getting that image up, and we are doing a Sozo conference, a training, August 4th and 5th. And I will share a little bit about Sozo in my message, but it's not going to be the focus. Um, but for those of you who don't know or haven't heard of Sozo, it's an inner healing model. And it came out of Bethel Church in Redding, California. And it's essentially um, a way to connect with Father God, Holy Spirit, and Jesus. And it takes you through, um, whether it's memories or unforgiveness or wounds that we have from our past, brings healing to those areas um, and helps us take down walls that we've put up between us and God. And in many cases, we don't even realize we've done it. Um, but because of hurts, there it is. So Sozo Basic Training, August 4th and 5th, put those dates down. I'm really excited. We're bringing in Lori Westwood from Delaware, from House of Praise. And she is the regional director of all the East Coast. And you guys, I learned what I know about Sozo from her. She is phenomenal. She, she's one of the best. If you get an opportunity to get a Sozo from her while she's here, and they are taking limited appointments, um, I would highly recommend it. And we are, we're going to have such a great time. She's condensed it all into one day. So she's teaching us all the basic tools and, and how to minister sozo to our family members, each other. Even, you can even use it on yourself. It's just a great way. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling like you can't hear God's voice, there's like really basic tools to just start communicating and having a dialogue with God that you can work in yourself and help other people to access God's love and heart in a way you may have never done before. So I highly encourage you guys to sign up and come. Um, All day training on Saturday is uh, $60. That includes a demonstration and activation in the evening. On Friday night, the 4th, we're doing uh, children's sozo training. So who here works with kids or has kids? Raise your hand. Okay, it's a lot of you guys. You all need to be there. <laughs> if, you have, if you have ever experienced a child dealing with hard emotions, with, you, you need to take this course. <laughs> this is going to help you walk them through processing tough emotions. And it's one evening Friday for three hours. We're going to be teaching you how to use Sozo tools on kids. And it's very simple. Guys, this is like one of the simplest inner healing models. If you're thinking like, we're going to go through your whole family history and repent for all the generational curses from you to like your great, 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 great grandfather, this is not that kind of ministry. And those ministries have validity, but this is not that. This is learning how to access God the Father um, and the Godhead. So um, we want to know how to do this as Christians for other people, for our own kids, for those we minister to. So... Um, make it a priority. The Sozo training for kids is only $20, and if you sign up for both, I believe it's $70. So that really means the kids' training is only $10 extra. So you might as well come to both. You'll get nuggets out of all of it. So I hope to see you all there. Okay, that's my Sozo plug. (laughs) We're doing a lot of, um, we're really excited to bring them in, so I hope you take advantage of it. But I want to speak to you today, we can take that down, um, about something else. And, I, and what I want to talk about is the spirit of belonging. I really believe that God is creating new hope to be a church of belonging, where people feel like they belong and they feel a part of a family. Uh, Joy Hogan spoke a while back about 
that um, God is calling us as a people, not just as individuals that come to a building, but as a people, that we are a community of believers. And when Harold Eberly was here, he spoke the same thing about a prophetic word about we the people. I mean, if you go back in history and you look at the Constitution, it says we the people, the Declaration of Independence, we the people. There's a unity when believers yeah. come together. And in our generation, in our culture, there's such a push toward individualism. And I, I, I can understand this. I come from that generation. Uh, the millennial generation is very individualistic. And churches have started to take that slant toward individualism. And it's not bad. There is major truth in it that we are individuals. We are created uniquely. We have an individual purpose and design and a connection to Father God. But in that message that is pushed so hard, and the message that I've preached on, that's my like bread and butter. I can preach on our identity in Christ until the cows come home. <laughs> so I know all about that, and I believe in that fully. But there's like a balance to that that God is bringing back, and this is the way Harold kind of said it. He said there's a new movement in the church where the church is going that he's, God is bringing forth a new way of thinking that we are not just individuals, but we are a people. So he is bringing this revelation back into the church that we are a people, a community, and not just a community or a corporation, but a family. And so I want to speak on that today. Oftentimes the millennial uh, or individualistic spirit says, well, I don't want to be too closely associated with a group or church or person because it may detract from my own identity. And so we hesitate to commit. We hesitate to really put roots down deep. And we tend to go from one church to the other or from one job to the other. I mean, how many of you guys in your 50s, 60s remember, in your generation, you got a job and you were there for 20, 30 years. You had a pension, you had a retirement, you committed, and it was like a lifelong thing in many cases. And then economy shift, Kodak lays off 30,000 people, and it disrupts everyone's security. But now in the generation in college and graduated now, we're getting jobs, and two years later we're switching to another job, we're switching to another job, we start an entrepreneurship, we start renovating houses, we do online business, and every six months, two, three years, we're changing, shifting into new jobs. So our culture, this is happening in our culture. It's very normal for this generation to move and shift and have a, an entrepreneurial spirit or a go-getter spirit or a, that individualistic, find your destiny, find your calling and go after it. And that's good, but we have to remember we are a people. And we don't exist on an island. We don't exist apart from everyone else. True. Romans 12.5 says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one another, of one another. Members one of another. And so both of these um, things are true. We are, met, we are one body in Christ. We are individuals and one in Christ, and we are also one body. 
1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There's something that comes from a body of believers, a family, that you don't, that you don't have access to as an individual outside a family. You can see an, an example of this, this um, team mentality, if you look at the military. The military takes individuals from all over the country, from whatever background they come from, many of them from broken homes or a different religions, cultures, whatever, and they put them through boot camp. What happens in boot camp? They squash you, they flatten you, they beat you, they work you till you're bloody and sweaty. And what happens? They flatten everyone out so they're on the same playing field and they push them so hard, physically, emotionally, that you have to literally band together as brothers, brothers and sisters, in order to become one and to fight. And in that bonding, they become a team that would literally die for one another. And that mentality is key to survive in the military. One army guy is never gonna turn his back on another. They literally bond and will die for each other and take a bullet for each other. That's the level of, of bonding and family that comes in the military, and it creates strength. If you send one guy out into the field and they're all doing their own thing and none of them's listening to orders, you're gonna have chaos. But in their togetherness, in their incredible bond of what they've been through, just to be able to get to where they are, to go out onto the field, they have a strength and a trust in each other. They trust each other with their lives. And yet we in the church come and we don't even trust each other enough to open up and say, hey, I'm having a hard week. We have so many walls. We have so many hurts that we can't even trust our brother and our sister to help us through something hard in our own life. So are we then to start training our church members like military? No. (laughs) But we are, this is a battle, we are in a war, and we are bringing heaven to earth. There is a military standard, there is a, Paul talked about that we are moving forward, we are the army of God, so that is a truth to this. And when you train people up and raise children up in that way of, this is what you're called to, this is what you're good at, this is, these are the giftings of each other, and we're going to go for it and train hard and have discipline, there is major fruit there. But God is not calling us to run the church like a business or the military or a corporation. He's called us to be a family. Family gives you a sense of belonging. Yeah, it instills value and identity. People need to belong before they believe. Yeah, Let's <laughs> say that again. People need to belong before they believe. And as humans, we were designed with a deep need to know and be known. True. We can't get away from that. Right. You can isolate yourself as much as you want but God still created you with a deep need, not only for communion with him, but for communion with other individuals. And our natural biological families build the foundation for that in our life. Children need to have their basic needs met in order to feel secure. They need food, 
shelter, need to feel loved and cared for. God designed mothers and fathers to represent him in caring for their hearts and their lives. See, God creates, and then we create, and we get to model what that healthy mother-father look like, what a healthy father-God looks like. So you see this sometimes um, in large families, or in any family, really, there's a sense of belonging, that there is a place for you as an individual. Now, maybe that child doesn't get like all one-on-one time with mom or dad, but they know we have a certain way we do things. I have a name that, that my mom and dad have their name, and I have their name. We, this is how we eat. This is how our traditions. This is our, um, how we play. This is what's acceptable and not acceptable, and I have a mommy and a daddy. And they fit into a, a belonging place, a structure that says, this is where you belong. You were created to belong here. Before you ever know Father God, you were created to belong. You see, orphans don't know where they come from. And so oftentimes, if you don't have that sense of belonging, if you grew up with a family that was dysfunctional or abusive parents, or you don't know your mother or father, and you have a lack there, coming into a family, a spiritual family like this, can be very painful. And you may feel like, in our minds, we may rationalize, well, if they didn't have it growing up, then they will naturally want it, and they'll, they'll have a need for it, and they'll seek it out. But that's actually not the case. It's the opposite that's true. You see, when you have a wound, and you get close to something, that you, you put up walls, because that pain, you don't want to feel that pain. You go, no, that's too painful. I've experienced that in my past, and I don't want to go back there. I've experienced that pain of rejection, or that pain of abandonment, or that pain of not knowing who I am, and where I fit, and where I belong. And I don't want to feel that, so when I get close to someone that makes me feel like they're opening up my heart and being vulnerable, or they're pulling me in, or in a family that's vulnerable and loving, they get scared and put up walls. So they actually block the very love they need, because that fear prevents them from accessing it. Does that make sense? So this is what we deal with in Sozo, by the way we work to take those walls down. Because even though you may not have come from a family that created a healthy foundation for you, the truth is God has adopted you into his family. It doesn't matter where you come from or who you are, how broken your past is, God has called you his son or his daughter. He has brought you into his arms and said, you are mine, you are my beloved. And before we we create a structure or a family with anyone else, we need to first have that security in our identity with God the Father. If we try to start forming businesses and cultures and churches and and having our own kids and families, we're going to reproduce the same thing we have happening in our hearts. You will recreate the environment in your heart. And if your environment is fear, insecurity, worry, rejection, pain, abandonment, you will recreate that in your environment. So that's not what church is, but that's how many people approach it. What God says is that you belong. This is family. And whether you come from a secure family or not, this is a secure family. This is a healthy family. And as church, we're called to model healthy family. 
God has adopted us. In fact, he gives us his name. He determined our worth individually and our value individually when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Your worth was determined 2,000 years ago on the cross. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work your way up from a, a broken past and earn approval because God called you approved 2,000 years ago. He approved you when he sent his son, and his son said, I'll die for that one. You're worth it. It was worth it to God to sacrifice his son to come back into relationship with you. And that's the message, that you have intrinsic value, and no one can take that away. Whether you know it or not, you do. You have intrinsic value. And you belong, and you are loved. And I want you guys to just let that sink in right now. You belong, you are loved. You are worthy of his love. He created you for a purpose. Your life is worth something. And no one can take that away. No matter where you go, what you do, no one can take that away, that belonging that God himself has stamped you with approval. And you can't mess that up because Christ already did the work and forgave you of anything you've ever done or would, will do. He has forgiven you and wiped your slate clean. And he says, you are approved to come into my presence. You are approved to come and see the Father face to face. Yeah. No longer do we live in the old covenant where a veil right. shields us from seeing the true God. The veil has been torn, yeah. and we have direct access with the Father. So if you're still living in the Old Covenant and believe, I can't see God's face, He is righteous and holy, and I am not, you need to update your thinking. <laughs> because that's not the truth yeah. that Jesus died for. He died for you to be free, and He died for you to know His Father. So don't sit there as an orphan believing you don't have a place on Daddy God's lap when he created a place for you. There is enough room for every one of us on his lap. No one is excluded. No one is left out. So you belong in God's heart, and you belong in a family, and in this family. So to know our identity, we must first know how Father God feels about us. That's how he feels about you. You can see it in what Jesus did for you and how he calls you his beloved, his children, his bride. God gives identity. He stamps your heart with his approval and says, come be with me. So we must know God in order to know ourselves. This is that search for significance, that if you don't have that foundation of belonging, identity, and security from your family, you may be wandering through life trying to find it. God is where you will find it. He created you and sent you to this earth with an assignment and an identity. And your significance and knowing who you are and what you're called to is, was written on your heart by God before you were born. So you 
when you know God, when you find God, when you have that veil torn and you can crawl up on his lap and sit as a daughter or a son, you suddenly know yourself. You can't know yourself apart from God. You will know your own identity, your own version of yourself, but you won't know the fullness of who you are and who you're created to be until you encounter and know God. So that's first. We have to get that locked down, and it's accessible to every one of us here today, no matter what our background and what we're bringing into this Christian life. So he has stamped you with his approval. You are called according to his purpose, and you're a part of a family. See, God's family is the church. Now, if you don't have that foundation and you have orphan thinking, you may come into the church hurt and wounded, and you may close your hearts to, to other, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you don't mean to, but like I said, there's pain there, so you don't want people to like poke that pain and remind you. So in this journey, we have to first get that foundation secure, get those cracks sealed up. And God does that. He comes in and heals our hearts. We forgive those who've hurt us, and we let God, we first take the walls down between us and God, right? Because when we put walls up to our, maybe if our mother or father hurt us, or we didn't have that healthy upbringing, and we create walls, it's a self-protection mechanism, and you needed to do it at that time in order to survive, in order to be a functional being. But now you're at a place in your life where you need connection and you need God's love. So it's time to take those walls down. It's time to forgive. And when we do that, we begin to see Father God. We begin to experience him and access his love and hear his voice. And after that, after we get that revelation from God about who we are and belonging, we then come into a family like this. And instead of staying in our bubble. Oh, I know God, I know Jesus, I have my own relationship with him, and it's good. Like, how many of us have heard that, right? I I have my own relationship with God, I don't need to come to church. Well, you're missing out on a lot of blessing that God has for you. And you're protecting yourself. It's a self-protection. But really, and I understand why, because churches are not healthy all the time right? It's kind of a rare thing to find a really good, healthy church. And so a lot of times we don't only have to protect ourselves from our mom and dad or siblings or experiences growing up, but we have had wounds that happened in the church where church leadership hurt us. They didn't believe in us. They, they, they were controlling or manipulative, or they didn't value us for who we were. And so many of us have to go through healing even in that area too, But there's a point where we have to forgive those who've hurt us and receive mothers and fathers back into our hearts. It's not just about receiving God and having your own personal relationship with God. You need mothers and fathers in your life. You need leaders in your life. You need the fivefold ministry in your life. You need the apostolic guiding you and being a visionary force of pulling you into something greater than yourself. You need the prophetic in your life to call out things inside your heart that you didn't know were there, to set you on a path to your destiny and and raise you up and call call you up to more than you are. You need the evangelist to train you, to send you out so you can share your faith with others. You need the teacher to help raise you up and strengthen you in the word. 
You need the pastor to put his arm around you and go, how you doing, buddy? How you doing today? How's your week? How's your marriage? How's your kids? We need that. We need that connection with the fivefold. We need mothers and fathers to speak into our hearts. Because we can't, do, we don't have all the tools by ourselves. Right. We can't do it on our own. And what God does is he places mothers and fathers in our life so that we can actually receive from them his favor and his grace and his blessing. He said it at the very beginning. It's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for a man or woman to be alone. He created us to need one another. And you might not like that fact, but it's true. <laughs> and you know what? We need you too. We need what you have to offer. We need your gifts. We need your perspective. And we need your grace that's on your life. So it's time to stop disconnecting and actually start coming under a flow of grace that comes from spiritual mothers and fathers. It's time to heal our wounds, to forgive, and set ourselves free. The spirit of belonging crushes the orphan spirit. You belong to a family. Judith Blank uh, spoke a message a few weeks ago at the Gate Church in Charlotte at a, at a conference that my husband was hosting there and the river gathering. Um, and she spoke about that she, she told her story. She's a spiritual daughter to my husband and I. And she told her story of choosing to position herself downstream from an apostolic grace that's on Jonathan's life. And she chose to receive life. She'd been crying out for spiritual mothers and fathers her whole, almost her whole life. And people would be fatherly, and they would encourage her, but she could never find someone who would actually walk with her. And so she chose to position herself downstream to receive the grace that was flowing from Jonathan's life. And she said in her ministry, there's, she's encountered two different kinds of people. She said, you'll find that there are those who are committed but not open-hearted. And this is the kind of person that attends the same church for 20 years, but they don't have a heart connection with anyone. They might be the first ones out the door after the service. They'll know, they won't open their heart and, and be vulnerable to the person sitting right next to them. But she's, she found that they would come to her and share with her all the problems in her, their marriage or their family or their kids. And she said, have you ever shared this with your pastor or the person sitting right next to you? No. So they were committed, but they were not open-hearted. And number two, they were open-hearted, but they weren't committed. So people will spill their hearts to anyone that walks in the door, but then the next Sunday they're off at the other church, getting their needs met in some other way. So be willing to connect and be open-hearted. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6.11, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Open wide your hearts. We have opened wide our hearts to you, but you are not with but you have are withholding your affection from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Now this is apostle Paul who has like a military background who used to train Pharisees to persecute Christians, a leader of Pharisees, who was diligent and ruthless 
And here he is as a father saying, I have opened my hearts to you, Corinthians, but you have withheld your affection from us. I challenge you, open wide your hearts. So I'm challenging this morning, open wide your hearts to one another. It doesn't mean you need to have a direct access connection to the senior pastors or the the people up on stage. The person you need to open your heart to might be sitting right next to you. It might be the mothers and fathers who've been married for 20, 30, 40 years. It might be the people leading the small group. It might be your friend that you know or the person with the kids in the nursery. It's all of us. But but we're called to be the body. And we are jointly fitted together. And when one finger breaks away and goes off, the body doesn't function the same. We're called to be connected and knit together. So for those who have been open-hearted but not committed, we see them where it's almost like a fad to just change churches. Like, oh, I'm going to change my hairstyle. Maybe I'll go blonde this week. Maybe, I'll, maybe I feel like I need to go to this church now. Like, they have really good worship. You know, it's very relevant. So I'm just going to uproot and go there. And then six months later, you know, I'm getting kind of old. I want to go. I think I'm going to check this place out. You know, I don't like how the pastor preaches. You know, or I don't like their whatever. You fill in the blank. I'm just going to go down the road. Or I got offended because somebody looked at me funny in church. <laughs> So, you know, I'm just going to, and I'm not going to tell anyone, I'm just going to go because I never really planted anyway. I never really grew roots down and formed real relationships. So it's easy for me. I can just up and go, right? I want to show that video. It's a fun little thing that I think you guys will enjoy. It's called Church Hunters. How many of you have seen this? (laughs) It's a little spoof. I'll give him a little minute as he gets it ready to go. Previously on Church Hunters. This is your first church. This is Creekside First Baptist. Honestly, right up front, uh, didn't love the name. The Sunday morning experience was just a little too traditional. Hey guys, how we doing? Hey, good. Doing how are good, you? Doing good, doing good. So I know you didn't love the traditional vibe of the last place, okay? okay. But I think this church is really going to do it for you. Yeah. It takes relevance to a whole new level. Behind me, you will see molded clay, jar art, tapestry, canvas, mosaic church. Mm, I love it. Right? So you've heard of Mm interdenominational, and you've heard of Mm non-denominational. Well, this church identifies as (laughs) interdenon-denominational. Wow, that's that's perfect for us. It really is. But here's the kicker. A lot of celebrities go here. What? Jeff Foxworthy. We love him. We really do. Ben Higgins from ABC's The Bachelor. Perfect. Several Real Housewives. And... Usher even came here one time. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, well, follow me. Come on. Let's do it. So refreshing. Honestly, that last church was just way too traditional. It was yeah. too much. It was like we left there feeling convicted. Like, uh, ugh, right? Right. We're just, we're looking for more of a Tony Robbins type sermon. Like inspiration, like a TED Talk with a Bible verse. Yes. Oh, yes. Right? It's perfect here. We love it. It really is. We love it. Awesome. Cool. Well, you guys know a lot of contemporary pastors speak out of the Message Translation Bible. Mm -hmm. Right. Or this pastor speaks out of a brand new translation. It's the Tumblr Bible. Shut up. We love Tumblr, though. This is great. A lot of emojis, a lot of abbreviations. Oh, I couldn't ask for And how many seats in here? Oh, it is 6,000 altogether. Babe, 6,000. I got to be in this worship band. Imagine me up on that jumbotron mid-guitar solo. Do you know how many Instagram likes you get? Oh, Oh my gosh. 
We find it hard to find a church right now because I grew up Catholic. I grew up and Baptist, so. So like we we drink. Yeah, but just in private. I mean, obviously you get it. Basically, in terms of like worship, I think we're looking for like a Jesus culture type feel. Oh, I right. love them. Hillsong, obviously. Oh, obviously. leading you to the cross? Hillsong's great. Like a Bethel minus the spontaneous yeah. stuff. Yeah. Just for me, I connect in worship more when the leader is attractive. Personally, I'm a <laughs> Carrie Job guy. Oh, okay. Well, she's married. Um, so is Christian Stanfield. Wow. So one of my personal favorite things about this church is the service times. Okay. There's an 8.30, a 10, a 1 o'clock, a 5.30, and even a 7 o'clock service. Oh, there's nothing around like 2-ish? Yeah, for us, for what we need, 2, 2.15 is best. Yes. Uh, how many songs do they do during worship? Usually five, five and a half, depending on where the spirit leads. Oh, wow, babe, is that, is that a, a lot? lot? Well, if that's too that much for you, they have a program here called the Worship Assist Program. Okay. So if you ever get tired during worship, an intern will come out and just hold your arms up. You just keep worshiping the King of Glory. Just like that. Wow. I love it. You can still look super spiritual. And my arms get so tired from yoga. Same. I actually like this church. I think we can make it work. It was all right. I mean, it was it was good, but like I emailed the pastor and he didn't immediately respond. So uh, we're taking these vessels elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a little too much, right? <laughs> right, but it's funny because it's true. <laughs> Sometimes we approach church that way. So that's um, obviously a hilarious way to look at it. And I, I love those guys. He's got a lot of funny videos. If you just uh, YouTube John Christ, he's got a lot of great stuff. Do you want to laugh? So. Um, so basically, the Bible speaks of our personal identity, but also of our corporate identity as a body of believers. And even in Ephesians, we can see this. It says, uh, Paul talks about what it is to be um, one. He says in Ephesians 2.19, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's good. We are not just individuals off on our own thing, doing our own thing, we are built into a structure, being joined together, which is growing into a holy temple of the Lord. Yeah. Being built together. I love that phrase. I love that passage that so clearly describes it. And I believe that God has called this church, New Hope Community Church, as a greenhouse. We've gotten many words about that. Um, Steve Hogan spoke about working in a greenhouse. He would tend the plants years and years ago when he was a teenager, and we've had um, Harold Eberly and other, other prophets even speak into this body without even knowing that, that New Hope was a greenhouse. Yeah. Now, I want to, to kind of explore that, and what does that look like for us as individuals to be a part of a, of a healthy body? And if you're listening to this on the podcast, you may be thinking, well, I don't, I don't go to that church. I don't come on Sunday. That's okay. There's a greenhouse that God has for you. There is a place where you can plant, 
because God has called us to plant. He has called us to grow our roots down deep, not just in any church, not just like church hunters where, oh, well, I really like it when the pastor wears stylish clothing, you know. (laughs) It's more than that, right? He's called us to plant, to open wide our hearts to one another, to be vulnerable and let people in, and even submit ourselves to leadership. And when I say submit, many of us get a little cringe inside. I don't mean submit as in give control of your life away. When I say submit, I mean you are allowing someone else to influence you. You're allowing them to speak into your heart and influence you. And mothers and fathers do that. So we submit our hearts to them. We open our hearts to them to receive the the favor and grace that's on their life. So in in a greenhouse... A greenhouse is built to protect and, and enclose and grow plants. It's a safe place for plants to grow. Right. Seeds need to be planted, not blowing in the wind. Roots grow down deep. They get to bloom there. They get tended there. They, get to, they receive nourishment from the sun, from God, and they receive water and nutrients from the soil. Yeah. So you get fed. If you're not planted somewhere and receiving grace from other leaders and other people in your life, then you're not going to receive all the nutrients God has for you. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9 talks about this. Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. They will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So church is not just a building. It's not just a place you come and say hello, you tithe, you leave. You go home and you live your life. It's God's field where plants are being nourished where we're bonding and growing together, where we're connecting roots, like Harold Eberle talked about the forest, and our roots are being connected, and we're leaning on each other. Do you guys remember that? There's this beautiful picture of how the fivefold is like a forest. And the apostle says, this is where we, we plan. This is where we plant. This is how we or- organize the field. And, and you look out, and they grow together, and all the trees are interwoven, interconnected, and have relationship. So how do we grow in a healthy greenhouse? First, you have to be planted. But even before that, like I said, we have to have a relationship with our creator, the one who created that seed. If we're the seed in the field and God created you, we need to know our creator. We need to know what kind of seed am I? Am I a hydrangea? Am I a tulip? Am I an oak tree? What am I? How did God What did he write? on your heart, the destiny of your heart. What kind of seed are you? So we need to know that God created us, that he's a good father. We need those walls broken down. We need to access him, be able to be a a little kid on his lap, and to know he's good, he believes in me, he made me good, right? We need to know we have a purpose. And then we need to be able to have a safe place to grow. So we need to plant. And you plant in a family, 
in a greenhouse. So here in this place, this place is a greenhouse, and you, there is room for you here. And there is water for you, and there is nourishment, and there's people to tend the soil and move the plants. Now, if you're one of those people like church hunters that likes to hop from church to church, you might not receive the full growth in nutrients. Because when you're planted, your roots can go deep. But if you have to transplant a plant, they go into crisis mode. Did you know that? I learned all about this because my mom and I planted a, our flower bed a week or two ago. And my neighbor donated, he just gave me some extra flowers he had. He had hydrangeas and peonies, and they were in full bloom, and they looked beautiful, and some roses I, I got. And he dug them up. He said, would you like one? I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. They would work, look beautiful in our planter out front. So he dug them up, and we put them in the ground. As soon as I put the roses in the ground, all the petals fell out. I was like, oh, it died. <laughs> That's a bummer. And the peonies just wilted. They just, all the flowers died, fell right out, and they wilted. Now, I'm like, did we do it wrong? What's going on? And my mom, who is an amazing landscaper and knows a lot about plants, was smart. And she said, um, no, when you move a plant, the first thing they do is they drop their flowers. They have to stop every process that is not vital to survival. They first have to preserve the seed or the bulb. That's your identity. That's who you are. And then the leaves, because what do the leaves do? They gather nutrients from the sun. They, they do photosynthesis. But the flower is not vital. It's just for show. So they drop their flower in order to survive. And this is very common. But it doesn't mean the plant is dead. It might not be in full bloom but it's had to be replanted, so its roots have to grow strong again and grow deep. Its leaves have to get photosynthesis from the sun. And so when you are constantly hopping from one place to another and never planting, you'll, you may never bloom fully. You may never see the full potential of who you are because you're always in crisis mode, in survival mode. If, you can't, if plants can't get enough water or your roots are damaged, if your foundation is damaged, you wilt. When plants stop growing, they, they conserve water and shut down other life processes and their leaves will start to wilt. It's a sign they're in crisis mode, that they don't have enough water or nutrients. So many of you have been in survival mode and you've not even known it. You've just, you, you actually, you are just used to living life in survival mode. And for some people, your life is survival mode or crisis mode. And you wonder, why, why are my leaves always wilted? Why can I never get ahead? Why can't I bloom? Plant somewhere. Allow your roots to get strong. Allow your leaves to really soak up the sun, Amen. the destiny God has for you, the words he speaks to you every day. And you'll see your flower bloom. Allow mothers and fathers to speak into your life, into your heart. Be vulnerable. Open your heart to someone in a way that's scary that you feel like, I might get hurt, well, then you know you're doing it right. If you're always safe and if you're always in a bubble, you're not going to get the nutrients that God has for you. He's called you to risk. He has called you to take a step out of your comfort zone and open up your heart. Open up, your, let your flower blossom. Let the world see who he created you to be. What kind of flower are you? What kind of thing does he have written on your heart? It's time for the world to see who you are 
And in order for that to happen, for, in order for you to bloom, you need nu- nutrients from God and water from the, and nutrients from the soil. And you need to be planted in a community of believers that believe in you, that see who you are, that call out the destiny on your life. Not that control you, not that manipulate you, not that use you, but that truly see you and believe in you. A good greenhouse is known by the health of the plants it, it cultivates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in order, and in order to be a healthy plant, we need to receive the nutrients the greenhouse has for us. We can't just come and go and never plant our roots deep. Now, if you're feeling like you're not being fed, maybe the next thing you need to do is give back. So a flower or a plant or a tree gives oxygen. It it gives life. It receives from the Father. It receives from the Son. And then it, it produces oxygen and life and beauty. So if you don't feel like you're fully being used for all your gifts, maybe you need to give and let yourself produce and so into someone else. Maybe God is calling you to pour into another younger or weaker plant. So I would like to play that last video I have. It's called My Turning Point, and it kind of illustrates this point of giving back. Even this is a woman who um, is, is, has some funny uh, videos as well, but this is a more serious one, and she tells her story of going through a really hard time of a divorce and feeling, being totally broken, impoverished. And you could say her leaves were totally wilted, her petals had completely fallen off, and she was like, I need to get back on my feet. What can I do? And this is what she chose to do. After my divorce years ago, I found myself completely broke. Broke as in sharing a room with my kids, sleeping on the floor. Broke as in feeding my two toddlers with food stamps. Broke as in, I literally had no idea if I was going to be able to afford rent and whether we would end up homeless. And I also became really, really depressed. I mean, really depressed. I found myself sort of obsessed with my own misery. And the only thing I could think of is to volunteer and that'll make me think about other people. And so I decided to call every place in my area I could think of, homeless shelter, soup kitchen, children hospital, and I was going to volunteer. And this was going to be my way out of this horrible place I was in. And I got rejected from every single place. Now, if you already feel like a loser, getting rejected from volunteering will take your loser status to like a whole new level. And the reason I got rejected is because I couldn't afford a babysitter. So I would have to take my two young kids with me and no homeless shelter or soup kitchen wanted a two and a three-year-old helping. And I get it. I mean, they would have done more harm than good. And so here I was finally with this brilliant idea of how I was going to get out of this misery. And even that had failed. And one night couldn't sleep and I was crying and I was thinking about my life and I thought, even when I feel like a complete loser, is there something little, something tiny little that I'm still good at, that I'm still confident in? And the only thing I could think of is, I know how to cook a great meal on very little money. I sent an email to all my friends in my area and I said, every Wednesday night, I'm going to feed people. If you know anyone who needs a free meal, maybe they're struggling financially, 
or if you know someone who is lonely, maybe it's an elderly person who just lost their spouse, whatever the need is, I don't care. Bring them to my apartment on Wednesday nights. I am going to feed people. So that first Wednesday night rolled around and I went to one of my favorite places, the dollar store, because when you're poor, the dollar store makes you feel like you're rich because you can buy more than like two items, which is amazing. And went to the grocery store and spent some of my food stamps on just anything I could find that was on sale. I wasn't trying to follow a recipe. I was just trying to create the biggest meal I could with very little money. And then all these negative thoughts started creeping up again. Why would anybody show up to your place? Why would your friends bring anyone to you? They'd probably be embarrassed. You're, you're depressed, Christina. Your life is a mess. No one's gonna expect you to be able to offer someone something. But six o'clock rolled around and slowly people started coming in. Complete strangers started walking into my apartment and letting me feed them. And by the end of the night, I had fed a ton of strangers in my tiny little apartment on my tiny little budget with my tiny little kids. And I will never forget closing the door after that last person left and just sobbing. But for the first time in a long time, I wasn't sobbing tears of misery and desperation. I was crying like a broken little girl who just experienced her first glimmer of hope and of healing. And yes, life was still hard and I was still sad and there were still a lot of struggles but I no longer felt defeated. And then the next day, I got emails from these strangers telling me how much my dinner meant to them. And I'm sitting there reading these emails and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Even when I feel like a complete loser, even when my life feels like a crazy, chaotic mess, if I focus on the little things that I do have and can do, I can turn it into something bigger than I ever expected. And that's literally how I now approach everything in my life. I am done focusing on all the things I can't do and all the things I don't have, all that negative noise. And what I've learned from those dinners is that when I shut down that noise and instead focus on the things I already have and the things I can do, that's where I feel peace. And that is where I can fully embrace and enjoy my crazy awesome life. So would you guys stand with me and just um, hold hands with the person next to you? Connect <laughs> with the person next to you. Let, let yourself be known. <laughs> um, I'm just, I want to pray over you, and I feel like there, um, wherever you're at, wherever, whatever part of this message you relate to, that there, there's something for you here. You may be in that place where you say, I need to know my creator. I'm a plant, and I have no idea what kind of plant I am, what kind of seed I am. I don't know a loving God and I don't feel close to him. If that's you, and you've never experienced the love or never received Christ in your heart as his savior, and you want to today, I'm not gonna make you come up front, but would you just raise your hand to me right now so that I know you're here? 
Okay, thank you. I want you to pray and to the person next to you. I'm gonna pray over everyone, but I want you to tell someone today, if that's you. I want you to open up your heart and share and say, I, I don't know God the way I want to. Would you pray with me to receive Christ? And as the body, we're gonna come around you and do that and welcome you into the family. Amen. So, so some of us need to encounter God for, to get that deep heart need met in our life of belonging and have him establish our identity. Some of us may be in a place where we know God, but we've never really planted anywhere. We've never grown our roots deep and committed and said, this is where I am a part of a body of believers. This is where I can open my heart and trust. And then there may be some of us who are saying, I've come, I'm committed here, but I've never opened my heart and allowed leaders and mothers and fathers to influence my life. I've never really shown them my heart. I haven't been honest with, with people, with my family about my struggles or my hopes and my dreams. Maybe you're in that place. And maybe you're in the place where you, you have done that. You are being fed. You're a healthy, vibrant plant that has blossomed. You know what you're called to, and now it's time for you to pour out into others, to release that life and that oxygen that's like flowing through your veins. Wherever you are in this, in this point, I just want you to receive from the people around you, to just breathe life and give life, and to just open your hearts to one another. And some of you are going to discover, you may feel like you're your weeds in the garden. <laughs> like, well, I'm just a weed. I'm no good. But really, you're not. And some of the most beautiful flowers are actually categorized as weeds. So you may never know what kind of blossoms you grow when you're planted and fully thriving in God's family. So I just pray over this body right now, God. I, as the greenhouse, as a mama in this greenhouse, I just release life where there is dryness. I release water where plants have gone dry and leaves have wilted, and I speak blessing and nourishment over your hearts. I speak your hearts to open and come alive, and where there is lack, I infuse life, and I infuse the Father to speak to your heart and say, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are my beloved. I have set you as one with a destiny, with a purpose, with a calling, and I just release the life that goes from one to another, even through the roots. The, the root system is all interconnected, and as a family, we just say, we are a people. I want you to say that with me on the count of three. We are a people. One, two, three. We are a people. One more time. We are a people. Yes, Lord, we just declare we are a people. We are a family. We choose to open our hearts to one another. We choose to plant and go deep. We choose to invest in time, in resources, in giving of ourselves and of what we have to offer. We, we just, I bless this family, and I just wrap my arms around you, and I give you a big, giant mama hug. And would you just turn to your neighbor and hug someone next to you? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information on this or other resources, please go to newhopecom.org.